while I was resting. Greetings and welcome to While I Was Resting, a podcast in which we talk to actors, performers, musicians, writers, artists, whatever, people in the creative industry about the interesting and varied and often unusual jobs they do between uh, the chosen paths in life. Um, so today uh, it's the first show and that's why I've got on it a very good old friend of mine and that is Mr. Dan March. Mr. Dan March, welcome to uh, While I Was Resting. Hello. <sighs> Just resting here, doing a podcast with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. And um, Dan, before we get cracking and talking about uh, some of the subjects, the topic of today's show. Indeed, indeed. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing now and what you have been doing recently. Lots of exciting things. So, who am I? What who, am I? Who are you? Uh, who am I? Well, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Who uh, are so you? I, I'm, a, I'm an actor and a writer um, and performer. Do a lot of comedy work. So um, you may have seen me recently in a popular daytime and evening commercial uh, for Purple Bricks when I'm wandering around in a towel. Oh, yes, that guy. Um, that's I've me. seen that. Yeah, yeah yes. it's been on. I've been recognised for it recently. I went to see a play at the National and um, someone came up to me and said, you that guy in that advert? Uh, so, yes, it's been shown a lot. But I wouldn't say that's the pinnacle of my career. Um, but, yeah, recently I just did a show uh, in New York off-Broadway that I co-wrote with two other guys and we we did a month off-Broadway, sold fantastically well, pretty much sold out every single show, which was great. Um, uh, great reviews, even Sir Cliff Richard came to see the show. Sir so. Cliff? Sir Cliff came, yeah. Oh, man. Good, good, good work, guys. Good work, guys. Great stuff. Great stuff, guys. Good stuff. Good, good, show. good, show. good, good show. show. Good show. Good show. So that was, you know... That you always was, that. <laughs> he does. Just do it. He just he does just it. just do that all the time. Just does it. Just yeah. does it. Um, so, yeah, he, he was great. And photos and signed autographs. Yeah, we did. Um, and what else? Just filmed a little thing for the Beeb, which will be out possibly... Later this year, early next year, on a platform, I think. So a platform. A new platform. Not a railway platform. Not a railway platform, it's a sort a, of a, a Netflix streaming, streaming platform. Streaming platform. Oh, yeah, but I've signed an that's NDA. That's where it's so, all at. Yeah, signed an NDA, so I can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Okay. Um, what else? What else? Auditioning for things, writing things. I'm off to Boston uh, in uh, a couple Boston, of weeks. Boston, Massachusetts, not yeah. the one that's not, not, not Norfolk, up north. is it? No, uh, north, no, isn't it Midlands? Midlands, Boston. somewhere. Where's Boston? Northampton. Oh, anyway, so the mid- middle of no that, not that one that the, the Massachusetts I'm going to Massachusetts because um, I know where that is and uh, actually going to Cape Cod for a writer's retreat uh, after the show in New York I'm now a member of the Dramatists Guild of America oh I say I, uh, I feel very privileged to be sitting here be. with you you should feel privileged yes. yeah, yeah, and got invited to this uh, writer's retreat which is going to be great uh, what have I done I've done a lot of uh, TV sitcoms I've been in things like Miranda Pram Face Spy which is on it was a BAFTA award winning thing on Sky yeah. Royal Bodyguard with David Jason so I've popped up in lots East of sitcoms EastEnders you did a soap not, not, it's not a sitcom though is it no but it was TV oh, oh it was TV it was TV yes I did yeah. do East Senders. I did Casualty. I did a series called Down to Earth, which okay, was on yeah. Sunday nights on B One. Um, yeah, popped up in a fair number of things. Doctors. I was in an episode, of, a couple of episodes of Doctors over the years. Did one oh, last I remember, year. I, I saw that when I edited your show. Well, together. exactly. You, thank you. You were the creepy guy. I was. That was the That's last creepy one. Creepy stalker guy. I was creepy stalking guy last time. The first Doctors episode I was in, I was actually lovely boyfriend guy. Oh, uh, that's yeah. Better. So yeah. I graduated from lovely boyfriend to creepy, creepy stalker. That's the way yeah. your careers. That, that is uh, possibly my new <laughs> casting bracket. Yeah. Uh, I play a lot of uh, dads and things like that, or, or work colleagues, or businessmen, and things like that, you know. But um, yeah, I played a, a wide variety of characters over the years. Um, a lot of theatre, did a play at the Millet Sonning. Um, at the end of last year, I went. Yeah, it was a lovely venue, isn't it? It's an incredible theatre. Oh yes, it's a, it's like a watermill. Yeah, uh, um, and and a dining dinner theatre um, situation. So you eat a meal beforehand, and then you go into this. It's all very civilised. Very civilised. Beautifully run. Um, Sally Hughes runs it, and it's. A, yeah, I, I highly recommend oh. going to the Minutes Sonning. I was a cheeky Irishman in that, so you know that there, there is range in my <laughs> in my career. I remember when me and my friend James went and and. <laughs> And I can't remember what, what point it was, but there was something, I don't know, it was in the programme or something like that, because we didn't know about the play. The actors talk, or the characters talk about me before I come on. That's right. Yeah. And and everybody else from the programme yeah. would come on. You come on last, yeah. your couple. Yeah. And so um, this other character said, you're an Irishman. And me and James looked at it, and we were like... <laughs> 
Like, I was a bit up Dan's going to be doing an Irishman comedy gold. And on I came, you know. Oh, on I came. To be sure, to be sure. <laughs> So um, that was a treat. There oh, we go. It was a joy to do that production. It really was. And uh, still good friends with uh, the rest of the cast, actually. They were Excellent. a lovely cast and a lovely director. Um, right. So, yeah, just, you know, I, I, I've been very fortunate the last, I don't know, eight or nine years to make my living um, as an actor. I've, I have a right. voiceover agent as well. But, you know, a steady stream of theatre, TV, ads, voiceover has, has kept me afloat so far. So, so far. Yes, indeed. So, of course, the point of the show... it hasn't always been the case. the case. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's not always like that, especially when you're starting out. Especially when you're starting and, out, yeah. um, And lots of people, uh, myself, and I've done many with you. We've been, yeah, we've yeah. been on in many strange, unusual situations together. In the twenty years I've known you, it's twenty years yeah. now. Wow! Today, twenty years today, actually, Jason. Oh, I... we shall do. <laughs> we shall toast. We shall toast it. We, we probably met wearing a sandwich board or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, of course, that's the whole point. In so many actors, musicians, performers, whatever, have have done jobs that are kind of like that. It's weird jobs that people don't even know that happen. Yeah, like being a fake this or a, a, a pretend that or, or or turning up at an event m- me, as if you're supposed to be there, but you're just an actor pretending like you're there. And there's, there's so many, there's so many different unusual jobs that people do, and, and, people and also the more standard ones kind of, as well. The, the, the standard most, ones and unusual ones. I think you know, it, it's okay, about so, making a living, isn't okay, it? Okay, so you've you've. You've brought some down. You said you did, you did some prep. I, I try to remember who I should. am. Yeah, I try to remember who so I am. So you've done your actors' prep. So what would you say um, is one of the most unusual kind of jobs um, you well, found yourself doing? Well, un- unusual. There's, there's been lots of unusual jobs which I've done with you um, through the Ministry of Fun. But I was going to sort of begin at the beginning, really. Well, good place to start. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and which wasn't an unusual job, but it was just how I started. So I came to London in September 1996. Okay. When I was four. That's uh, I didn't know it, this, but that's the same year, uh, same day I came. Really? Yes. Oh wow! There you I, go. We should high five that. High five. There, there we, we go. go. Wow. Exactly wow. the same month, same year. So I finished university uh, with a French degree from Oxford, and obviously the natural career choice is, is be an actor. Um, and I went back home to the West Country after and sort of twiddled my thumbs. And I thought, what am I going to do? I should go to London because that's where the work is. Didn't really know anyone. Had a friend from the village who was studying uh, medicine. And he had a floor I could crash on for a week. Right, Classic start to an acting career. Classic start to any, any acting career. <laughs> sleeping on someone's floor. Yeah. So I, ha- I, was, I had a copy of the stage. And in the back of the stage, there were lots of... Um, ads for acting or jobs you could do. Yeah, I don't know if it's still the same, but the back pages of the stage were yeah. fascinating. They really were. It was like, you know, what, what you could yeah. apply for and a million things. And there was one thing which was like, do you want to earn £50,000 OTE and just by being on the phone and using your actor's voice? And I thought, Ooh, Ooh, I've got what's an actor's that? voice. What is that? And what does OTE stand for? <laughs> um, OTE stands for On Target Earnings, I discovered. Oh, so it was right. a sales job. Sales it was a job. telly sales job, right? right? So I rang up and got an interview. And so my first day in London was basically, um, you know, start, you know, I did the interview and they said, you start the next day. And so I did this week of training five days of training, um, learning how to do telesales and very much hard sell. Okay. And it was for a company selling advertising space. I think I can mention the company's name. Or maybe I shouldn't. Go on. Go on. Sterling. Um, and they were quite... So, a solid name, isn't it? Solid name. Solid name. But renowned for having a very sort of boiler house uh, style So on the floor on which I worked, there were about... 200 people, yeah. 200 phones, everyone on the phone, standing. There were these signs all on the walls saying, sit and dial, stand and pitch, right? Mm. And you were given this kind of semi-script, and you were basically trying to sell a page of advertising space for about six grand. And if you sold one, you made anything from 10 to 15% commission on it. Okay. That's not so bad. you could make a serious six, amount of money. Six, quid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Unfortunately, it was a very, very difficult thing to do, and not yeah. everyone could sell. Um, and a lot of people would, you know, were unable to follow scripts, unable to actually think on their feet, um, and and also get through to the man. 
the person with the money authority and need, oh, the managing okay. directors of these yes. companies, right? So we were very much taught that you've got to get, get through to these heads of these companies and you've got to pitch them and they, they've got to sign on the dotted line. That was very much it. So I, at the end of my first week, I've completed my training, I've done my first day of work and, and then my mate said, you can't sleep on my floor anymore because my parents are coming and uh, <laughs> you've got to get out, basically. And I went, oh, right. So I went into work the next day with all my bags, thinking, where am I going to stay? Where am I going to stay? And we were paid £100 a week retainer for the first six weeks. Okay. Right? And then after that, you wouldn't get anything, and then you had to sell, basically. So I thought, I've got a little bit of money coming in, but not enough to put down a deposit on a flat or anything. What am I going to do? I could possibly... There was like a really dodgy hotel uh, right near these offices in Paddington. I thought I might stay oh, there, yeah. right? So I come in to the, with all my bags, and it's the end of the day, and I'm picking up my bags, and the guy sat next to me went, are you all right? What are you doing? I said, oh, I saw my bags. He said, he said, where are you staying? He said, I don't really know yet. He went, um, well, my sister's just gone to university. You could perhaps stay in her room for three weeks. I'll call my mum. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> so he called his mum. Right, yeah. And his mum went, yeah, all right, if you vouch for him. You know, and I've been sat next to this guy for a week, you know. And uh, so I stayed in his sister's room for like three weeks while I sorted myself out. And then I got my first sale in, suddenly 900 quid. Boom, ka-ching. Then yeah. I got another one the next week, another one the next oh, week, another so one the next flying. week. So I am flying. So I am actually making serious money. And I made enough money to... And I was auditioning for drama schools at the time. So I made enough money to live in London, live really well, and pay for drama school the following year. So I did really well. That's very good. But, and there is a big but here, um, it took a toll on my sanity and my um my personality i think really it made everything about the sale made yeah. everything about the sale and everyone there was so on the sale and then when i came to call companies back so i was there about the best part of a year mm-hmm. when i came to call companies back the following year to rebook them i found out that everything that i'd promised them wasn't actually delivered really and that actually all these publications hadn't necessarily gone, or that, that's what they said anyway, the people on the end of the line said, it hadn't gone to all the people I'd promised it to, it hadn't done all these things, it hadn't done all this. and I was just the salesperson, I wasn't the person producing these publications. Um, and I think at that point, I think a couple of years down the line, I think the company did get a bit of a bad rap, and I think there was a huge change, like the managing director got sacked, and things like that, so there's a lot of things happened to that company, I don't know if it's still existing, um, allegedly, yeah, um, I'll say okay. allegedly and all these things, but um, anyway, so that Happened. So I then got very disillusioned with that and I left that. Um, but it did, as I say, it funded me through drama school and I went to drama school, I went to the poor school. But when I came out of the poor school, um, I luckily got a, a tour straight away. I did a tour, but then I didn't get much work after that. Had a bit of a break, so how am I going to earn money? I, I had my telesales experience. And so, oh, I forgot to say, um, I used to, and I started to do a bit of comedy and dicking around and on the same team was a comedian called Nick Doody, who's doing very, very well. Um, so I crossed over with him. He was a year above me at university um, and is a brilliant stand-up, doing Edinburgh, doing the Edinburgh Festival. And uh, he writes loads of stuff and he's absolutely fantastic. So check out Nick Doody. But um, I remember calling up one company. Um, it was a lot of technical stuff. And it was like boring machines. So I rang up and I got through to this managing director. I said, do you, do you make boring machines? And he went, yes. I said, why don't you make interesting ones? <laughs> And I, went, I heard him laugh when I hung up. And there was another. There was a lot of desperate salespeople there. Yeah, hugely desperate. The classic Glen Gary, Glen Ross, desperate. There's a guy next to me. Can't remember his real name now, but he used to pitch under the name of Nick Andriakos. Right, Nick Andriakos. It was a bit like the character that Topol played in um, Fiddler on the Roof. No, 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 um, no, no. Uh, in the Greek. Yeah, no, no, no. In uh, James Bond, uh, oh, the Bond movie, where um, yes, um, yeah, the, the, the uh, one with the legs. Uh, yeah, for yours only. For yours only. Where yes. he's always eating the monkey nuts oh, yeah. okay yes, yes so yes. imagine him really hyped amped. he looked like him but amped up to total stress levels right okay and, and the tale was that he lived above the pub in this time that was next door um in this tiny little garret room and he ate basically cold tins of beans and that's what he lived on because he just didn't sell anything he never sold anything uh, but the tale was that years before he'd been this incredible salesperson that made right, thousands yeah. of pounds a week. So they, that was, that's the kind of world that I inhabited for my first year. Okay, in yeah. But it was enough to sort of get me settled. I got a flat that I rented in Maida Vale for three hundred pounds a month. Wow! I know. Get that. Get that get, these days. No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't crazy. think so. I don't think so. No. 
So then after drama school, I did some charity fundraising for a company called Pelham Bales. So again, using the phone skills and sales skills. Um, and this is like 97, 98. Um, and I only did that for a very short period of time because it was calling up a lot of old ladies. Where before I'd been calling up businesses and taking their money, it felt a bit odd calling up old ladies and telling them there's only like one snow white tiger left in the whole of asia and we need them to up their monthly order from one pound a month to ten pounds a month yeah yeah, exactly exactly so it 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 did feel a bit like "Mm, Mm, i'm not feeling massively comfortable with that so i quit that quite quickly joined another company called reeves lund which did telecommunications and again it was sales um it was setting up appointments so it was a bit less hard sell and it was setting up appointments and just pitching the company to lots of organisations. So that felt a bit more comfortable. I did that for about a year. Um, I remember an actor coming in to try and do the job, uh, a South African actor, um, and he was sort of sat there trying to understand what this telecommunications company did. And he just looked at me and went, this is like a Mogadon Kosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I still remember that. Um, but I did that for a while. Um and then I did, and then I got some work. I got some work. Um, end of 98, 99, uh, early 99. I did News Review. Ah, the show. The yeah. show News Review. And the director of News Review also did Murder Mysteries. Oh, Murder Mysteries, of course. What a great kind of staple for the, exactly. for the actor. And he said, Dan, Dan, I was like, what, 25 at the time, I think. He said, Dan, you'd be great for Murder Mysteries. Um, let, let's get you on board. Let's get you in. Uh, and so I did these murder mysteries, and they were great fun. And it was a, kind of the height of their popularity. We were doing it over the Christmas period, sometimes yeah, doing two, yeah, kind of three a day. It was insane. Late nineties mm. to mid two thousands, there were loads of them. Yeah, because loads. I used to work with you doing them. I used to DJ out. Yes, them. exactly. You and, did. You did. Um, I was then part of like three or four. I, I, by doing that, then I got asked to do, join another murder mystery company and another. I think I was working for like three different murder mystery companies and doing a lot. And there are various ranges of pay. Like the worst ones would pay 55 quid, but the best one would pay me 300 quid. Ooh, so yeah. I, I'd try and do the best one, obviously, more. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was three very different companies, actually. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. And, 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 and what and, character would you traditionally play in a, a murder mystery? Right. So I played a variety of characters, but initially I was the kind of suave, kind of Lord Byron murdering poet kind of character. Oh, right. Really? Which the suave great. one. Yeah. It's funny because what I was doing with you, with you, you were kind of the vicar character. You oh, moved I on did. a bit. That was a few years after, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. The, the silly vicar with the speech impediment, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Kind of very Dick Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I also played the detective um, for the the, the one that paid good money. Oh, so that was, yeah, really good fun. Um, And And who would typically go to these murder mysteries? So uh, the Christmas ones would be this huge, um, the Connaught Rooms. So it'd be these huge events for like 200, 300 people. And it would be quite often families and friends who book tables. But there'd be companies that would book tables. But then I would do private ones for specific companies, specific yeah. organisations. So I sometimes get flown around. I got flown out to Venice oh, once, to this palazzo in Venice um, for this company. Um, and there were only about sort of 60 people there. And uh, we got put up for three or four days in, in Venice, which was amazing. Um, but I got into Murder Mysteries through this guy who directed me. And then uh, in News Review. So I did murder mysteries, but by in doing my first murder mystery, I met Natalie Haverstock. Of course. Who said, oh, you're great fun. You'd be great for a company I know called the Ministry of Fun. There you go. And That's that was in 19, that was in 1999. Yeah. And so then I came to the Ministry of Fun and I met you. And uh, I think you were the first person I met. I, probably I, I just remember going up some stairs that's and right. you behind a desk. I'd be behind a desk because the other guys were always away at that point. Right. Butlins. Mm. <laughs> so I used I used to pretty much run the Ministry of Fun from London while they would phone in from Butlins. And say, yeah. Oh, I've got some yeah. jobs go. So for, for that whole, a lot of that year, it was just me there. Right. Organising all these stupid jobs. And my first job, I remember my first job for the Ministry of Fun, it was for the Rugby World Cup. That's right, we did a lot yeah, with them. Which was 1999 yeah. in England and Wales. And it was for Nike. Yes. Um, and it was basically wandering around with these giant placards which said, just do it. I think it was the launch of their Just Do It campaign. That sounds about right. Um, if I, if I'm right, if my memory uh, serves me correctly. 
and I would wander around with this this placard. Sometimes we'd be be in pairs. I distinctly remember walking around um, Twickenham Rugby Stadium before it was before an England Italy game, and we would do it for like two hours before then. And and I can't remember if we handed things out. I don't think we handed things out. No, I think no, it was purely it was, doing I think that back in those early days. People yeah. didn't want leaflets so much. They no. just wanted presents. Yeah, so it was presents. And so wandering around, and there was quite a group of us, and I was uh, wandering around near Otter, right? Hey, met uh, Otter, who's uh, a lovely... Lovely guy. Lovely. Uh, most kind of dude-like guy. Hey, dude, American hey. and joyous He's and... to 110%, yeah. isn't yeah, he? Dude, dude. dude, 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 dude long hair, beard. Long, yeah, yeah. You know, think, think of the musical hair and you just have a kind of image of yeah, yeah. Otter. He's sort of probably... If you put him in the 1960s, he would be he, straight be at home. Straight, be, yeah, that, he, this is in his element. But knew nothing about rugby. Right. And we're wandering around, and this huge guy came over to me and said, "Have you got tickets for the for the game for the England Italy game?" And I went, "No, I've just walked walk around this placard." He said, "No, no. Well, if you haven't, I've got two spare for you and your friend over there, pointing at Otter ten paces behind with his board. Do you, would you like a, a ticket?" And I beckoned Otter over. I said, "Otter, do you want to go and see the rugby after?" He went, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we got two free tickets to the rugby. And I'm basically sat there next to Otter explaining rugby to him <laughs> as England utterly destroyed uh, Italy, like, I don't know, 80, 10 or something ridiculous. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that, and that was my first Ministry of Fun job. And I thought, wow, wow, it's what a great all, company. Yeah, every job forever <laughs> in perpetuity is going to be like this. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't all, they weren't all like that. No, of course not. There were some, you know, definite highlights. Um, I can remember being uh, a school bully. For the Flipper Dipper tour, did you Flipper do Flipper Dipper? Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, Flipper Dipper's got one of my favourite memories yeah. ever. Go on, go on. Of a fellow actor, a, a chap, uh, Christy. Uh, no, 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 no. Chris Porter. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You're listening, Chris Porter. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know, you know what story's about to come. <laughs> so Flipper Dipper, shall I, shall we just quickly yes, see what it is? Yeah, yeah. So it was. So a, it was a penguin. Penguin. Penguin, penguin biscuits. biscuits. Yes. And Flipper Dipper, you you had the little dip that you could um, dip these biscuits in. So it was so, so fun, it was a basically. A variation of the biscuit, so yeah. that the, the chocolate and the biscuity parts were separate. Yeah, nice little idea, little nice little thing. Cho- bit of fun. You dip, you dip the biscuit bit in fun. the chocolate. For so the how do you promote that? How do you promote that? You go around the country with a giant. Sw- of, it's sort a of knockout swimming sort of pool. Yeah, it's a knockout game with a um, like Gladiator meets. It's a knockout. We've yeah. got a giant uh, swimming pooly thing. With that, that was like a, the dipper, kind the of dipper metaphor, and um, and a long uh, tube along the middle of it a that you crawl along. Flipper, the, the, yeah, uh, and you crawl along, and you've got a flipper in your hand, and you have a fight a sort of gladiatorial style trying yeah. to hit each other into the water yeah. and you've got employed actors playing different characters yes so there was a dentist an evil dentist why there was, I don't know I don't know why there was an evil I dentist no idea um, I played the school bully in shorts and, yes, and like, t-shirt yeah, and, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'm six foot one school bully going up to these little kids <laughs> and then trying to whack me into the pool um, who uh, Leila? I remember Leila doing it. Was she a headmistress? Something like Something that. Something like that. Yeah. I think she was a headmistress. Different, different so lots of actors. All lots of actors so what was characters. great about the Ministry of Fun is it uses actors, uses performers, so you don't feel so alone. Which is one of those things when you're resting, you can feel really alone. You can feel like, oh, where am I going to earn my next money from? And if you're doing sort of an office job or temping around people who don't necessarily understand your career, you can feel really the, the beginnings of feeling a bit ostracised. Am I doing the right thing? Whereas doing jobs at the ministry you're working with a lot of actors a lot of other performers and we're in the same boat yeah and suddenly there's a community yeah. and, and you feel oh it's all right it's all right you don't and even if it's a terrible job it yeah. kind of gets you through the job exactly because you can find exactly. some humor in it so go on tell the chris porter story <laughs> or should you wait till the interview chris porter i don't know i don't i've not seen him for a long time it'd be good to get him on get here. him on I, I think get him on say no, say the no, good stuff yeah I've, go on i've, I've told right. you now so okay. we might never go okay, go on, go on. Right, it's, we're gonna go over time it's my favorite line ever go on go on well, one of. <laughs> okay, so one of the characters on the Flipper Dipper tour was an actual penguin. So there was oh, a yes. person yes. in a penguin yes, suit. I, I now, that. if you've ever worn, <laughs> if you've ever worn any kind of, I've worn these costume character suits. I'm sure you have. Uh, you'll realise that they're incredibly hot. After about ten minutes, you just start dripping. And we were doing sweat. this in the height of summer, and it, it was, was in the middle really of summer. summer. This was on the beach. Yeah. It was really. Hot. I think. Yeah. This, I think this was in Bournemouth. This one. Okay. This, this weekend. I remember doing Western Super and, and Bournemouth. And yeah. So you you get people out, and what would happen is you there'd be lots of kids, and 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 so you're trying. 
get them back after 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, so they didn't get too hot. You'd bring out the penguin, you'd do it, wave about, yeah. do wave its flippers about, and then come on back, Mr. Flipper, come on back to your igloo, we'll cool you down. You know, you just make, and, and, and then you get like mobbed and you're trying, and, and yeah. the inside of this, because yeah, Chris hotter, is not getting hotter, off, hotter, he's not yeah. getting back to the changing room. Yeah. He's getting hotter and hotter. So he just gets back to the, gets back to the training room and, and that rips off this penguin suit and just goes, I'm not a penguin, I'm a trained actor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can feel his pain. I can yeah. feel his pain. Um, uh, I, I, me- I do remember that job distinctly as well because I remember my mum lived near Western Super Pair Super Pair at the time and came down to the beach and saw me basically dressed as a school bully, a giant school bully, <laughs> sat on this tube trying to knock kids into the water. And obviously you, you let the kid knock you into the water. Yeah. But if the kid was particularly annoying, I'd try and drag them in with me. <laughs> Good skills. But I remember my mum seeing me and doing that and taking lots of photos and, uh, and and me thinking, ah, she thinks I've made it. She really thinks I've made it. Here we go. Uh, she didn't. No, she didn't. But no. Uh, um, and other jobs I did, I dressed as a Nintendo sheep. Of course. Yeah. Wandering around. And that had highs and lows. Um, so you probably get, did you get tackled? Yes. I yes. got, that was, that was the low. I got, Tackled from behind wearing this costume and, and, and it did my back in for quite a substantial yeah, period that, of time. Yeah. I remember I had to go to the osteopath and because there was supposed to be someone guarding me, but there were two sheep and we were somehow in a demonstration. We got steered into this demonstration for some reason. Well, that, like yeah. uh, anyway, so that was a low. But the high, the high definitely for me was, I think it was near Christmas Eve and there was a band playing on Oxford Street and... We kept, we were approaching the band, and I said, I, "I'm going to see if I can become the do the be the conductor for the band." Yeah. And just as I said that, Ken Livingston walked by, and so suddenly both of, uh, me and the other sheep sort of went, "Hey, Ken!" And we're high fiving Ken Livingston. And I'm leaving from when he was mayor of London, yeah. leaving Ken, going over to this conductor and said, "Can I conduct the band in you know, while Shepherds Watch?" <laughs> And the guy said, yeah, sure, and handed over me the baton, and, and I'm there conducting. As a Ken, sheep. As a sheep, while Ken Livingston's looking on, and all the crowds around, and I'm dressed Quite as a sheep. a surreal tableau, it isn't was, it? It was a surreal tableau, but that's one that's uh, stuck in my mind. Um, and another lovely job I did, uh, final final Ministry of Fun job, I think, um, it was going around the country hugging people. Free hugs? Free hugs. Nice. And, and bottles of water. We're giving hugs and bottle of, bottles of water Ah, so very um, important. It was lovely. To be loved and uh, moist. Wearing these big... Purple cable knit jumpers. It was sort of late autumn, so you know people liked a big warm hug then yeah. in October, November. It's nice to give a big warm hug. And I remember, yeah, going around the country doing that and uh, and hugging some very beautiful ladies. Uh, <laughs> can't get away with that now. No, um, no. Uh, so that was uh, that was a lovely job. Four of us, uh, big guys, wandering around with cable knit jumpers, hugging people and giving them bottles of water and bringing joy. Bringing joy. Bring, and professional. Bringing I've been love. a. I've been a professional hugger. I've been paid to hug, which is, is, is lovely to to do. Um, so yeah, uh, Ministry Fund has been a lovely sort of intermittent staple extra bit of money over the last you know yeah, 20 yeah. years but I haven't done much with ministry recently for a long time no, no not really no no I can't remember last time I did one because yeah. I yeah um, but they are you know they, they, they call up they call up and they, you know sometimes it might be something specific because I speak fluent French so I oh I oh, got yes. the, I was the fat controller in France oh so, really so I got sent on the uh, um, Eurostar after Paris yeah and did a, I was interviewed as the so I was dressed as the fat Fat controller, but I was interviewed on French radio, and that was quite fun to do. Yeah, and yeah. of course you went to the Cannes Film Festival. I did. Were you riding around on the back of a truck in a kind of makeshift? I I didn't ride around on the back of the truck. That was more. Um, uh, oh, uh, one of the other guys who did that because I spoke French, so I was just chucked on street corners oh, with, a right, desk with a desk and a, and a laptop. And was it kind explain. of Microsoft portable it, office? Or something it was the new. It was basically Wi-Fi. It was the beginning, really? beginnings, beginnings of, Wi-Fi, of Wi-Fi, the wireless office, basically, wow. and uh, that, that was two thousand. It would have been about yeah, yeah, right about then. And yeah, sent down to Cannes. Well, sent Paris first, then Cannes after. And yes, yeah, so I was the one just plonked on the corner because I could speak French and therefore was explaining the technology to people yes. as well as I could understand it myself in English to begin with because um, we did it in England first and then went off. Okay. And then they said, "Who can speak French?" But I, I'm trying to remember who was on the back of the lorry now. Um, was it Barty or Rich no. Dopey or someone? No, uh, no. Richard um, Foster? Oh, anyway. No, I, it'll come to me. It'll come to you. Um, okay. But yeah, so that, that was a lovely job. And then the Cannes Film Festival began and I said, oh, can I just stay on? So I just stayed on. 
Great. I stayed on this hotel and uh, the money I don't by doing that job paid for two weeks of great fun at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> Made some great friends and uh, saw lots of films. And Yeah, so you know, the, the Ministry of Fun has definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me travel, it's made me great friends, uh, earned money um, to survive as an actor. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that kind of company, they were the first kind of guerrilla marketing company to really come along, I think, yeah. to use actors. And there there's, are, there's little clips of us all on YouTube yeah. being interviewed about people, you know, the BBC would come to our office and do a little piece on, what is this guerrilla marketing then? Yeah, so, well, yeah. it involves a lot of you know fake stuff and yeah, and people believing because you've trying... been on TV as like what a cat wrangler and people believed yeah. it and uh, yeah, I've been um, interview yeah yeah I can't remember some of the stuff I've been interviewed mm. on TV just just making literally just making stuff up yeah but the most famous one is the cat wrangler yeah which yeah. is joy i've seen that that <laughs> clip is on youtube isn't it it's it is, just yeah. joy they, they totally believe you and then you obviously can't do it and the cats are just running amok and and then and you're going well they just they normally do it it's the cameras <laughs> yeah 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 and, they still, and, and i left and they still believe me yeah. They, yeah. as i was leaving they said oh i wish we could have stayed longer for the cats to sort of settle down yeah. and do their tricks exactly. i was thinking oh, God, they don't do any tricks they're my friend's cats they yeah. just bothered them to take them into the tv studio and they just ran about well, and say a few sort of, sort of subliminal uh, marketing yeah. messages and uh, yeah and of course the whole point was there'd been a cat featured in the Bacardi Breezer ad oh, and so right. what happened was there was a, a PR company called Mark Bukowski's right. they do Cliff actually they do Cliff's PR and all this kind of stuff right. and um, so Cliff uh, Sir Cliff, Sir, uh, oh, 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 Sir Cliff. <laughs> Chris of Cliff. And um, Chris anyway, they, they phoned up and said, we've got this Bacardi ad, it's got a cat in it, mm. and what we'd like to do is, back when the news wasn't on 24-7 like it is now, so they'd always finish the news with a, like, a nice bit at the end. Right, yeah, yeah, nice yeah, little... The, the, and hey, finally, hey, yeah, the world's finally, not so oh, bad. Yeah, there's a talking you know, dolphin so in Stevenage. Yeah, yeah. If we can get a cat trainer to talk about training cats for TV and... Uh, that'd be we could get it on and he could mention Bacardi mm. so we could get a plug-in for free so they phoned the ministry and we said okay there's there's a company we know that does cats yeah and we said you got any people who've got trained cats and they said well there's one guy he, he, he claims to be a cat trainer mm. well, and so we phoned him up and he was the most boring guy ever so like, <laughs> uh, yes I train cats now for so we phoned back Matt Bukowski and said we found somebody claims to have some cane trained cats yeah but we don't think they'll get what they're supposed to be on for they'll just talk about the cats they won't mention Bacardi right they won't be very entertaining so we need an actor we need someone and and so they said has anybody in the office got cats and I said well that mate has two cats and they just said I'll just send Jace so they booked it all in they phoned up Channel 5 News and yeah. said uh, we got we found a cat trainer can come and do the funny bit at the end of the news going to bring two cats going to do yeah. some tricks for you going to talk about training cats yeah I knew nothing about training cats yeah and my cats just opened the thing they ran out ran this is actually the guy the newsreader's chasing my cat around the studio <laughs> I just sat there and I thought, what can I do? What can I do? I, I don't know. So I made a, I made, I found a little plastic trout and I put it and I attached it to the oh, end of a stick God. and I told them that I'd invented the cat stick and yeah. that was to make cats look in the right. And it's just all complete lies. Brilliant. And yeah, that was good prep. That was though, good prep. The trout, yeah, trout that was what it was like a... back then. You know, yeah, it was yeah. all, it was all guerrilla marketing. It was all. And I, I love all that. And I, but there are other companies that do it now, and that meant that. Sometimes the pay wasn't quite as, you know, the same levels. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, because there were some great, really well-paid jobs. Like yeah, you. yeah, well, well, when it was um, just, like, new. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you're the only ones in the, the, one in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, You've cornered the market. You can, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I did a lot of Ministry of Fun stuff. And then uh, around sort of 2002, 2003, 2004, I was getting quite a bit of work. I did EastEnders, I did um, Casualty. That was that, that phase of my career yes. and a couple of big ads. And I was... I moved to Marble Arch, and I was like, you know, living the life of Riley. Not, not the actual arch. Not the actual arch. There's a little flat in there. Is there? There is a little, little Oh, I wonder if it's available. Yes. Oh, let's, 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 let's rent it out. I, uh, I know that, because I used to do, I used to be a tour guide. My first job in London. There. Who lives tour- in there? Is it? I don't Anyone? think anybody lives in there, but there oh. is a little room, and I think there may, oh. I think maybe even the police use it now as a little, oh, right. you know, who knows? to watch there, people. But there is a there is a room in Marble Arch. Oh, right. Well, I lived it's in Montague like, Square. Ah, w1. very nice. Two doors nice. down from where um, Jimi Hendrix lived. 
course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I had a lovely little uh, studio flat there, but it was quite expensive. And uh, when my following year I didn't earn quite so much, I then stupidly thought I was still doing well. I thought I'd live there, carry on living there, and I got into a mindset of, oh, it's all right to have credit cards. Oh, it's all oh, right to have a loan. Yeah. Disaster. Because I'll be getting work. I'll get another big paid job. I'll get another big paid ad. It'll clear it. It'll clear it. And I didn't. I didn't. I didn't for the next sort of year, year and a half. And so suddenly I found myself in a that awful position where you're in quite a severe debt, you know. Yeah. I My overdraft was maxed. I had a loan. Uh, my credit cards were maxed. And, I'm, and I've got no money coming in. And what am I going to do, you know? And so, number one, obviously, move out of really expensive flat would make sense. So, but I signed on for a year contract. Aha. Uh-huh. So I couldn't move out straight away. Um and then through a friend of mine who I performed with at the Edinburgh Festival, his mate had just started a new company, right? Um, and they needed someone to head up their sales team. And so I met with him and I told him about my sales experience. And he went, well, all right then. And he was you know, new to running businesses and naive and signed me up basically. And I did that job and I worked my ass off, basically. I was doing 14-hour days, calling, you know, um, Asia in the morning and right through the afternoon, UK, Europe, then um, America in the evening, you know, just pretty much living in his office to pay off my debts. And within four months, I paid everything off. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's good. That's good. So I sold a lot. I made him a lot of money. Yeah. Um, basically, I, I could yeah, I could probably say I, I sold seven figures worth of seven figures worth of sales Ooh. for him. That um, is it. Yeah. And I then, after sort of working full time for him for that four month period, I then said, look, I just like to work part time. Really, I've cleared all my debts, and I'd like to, you know, because I'm acting as my thing, and I can I can give you a certain number of hours a week, but I wouldn't be full time. He kept pushing me to be full time, full time, but. So over the next like three years, I, I worked part time for him, um, and it you know it was in the oil and gas industry, which you're about to do a job for. Oh yes, um, indeed, yeah. so I did sell my soul a bit to the devil, but it was for education and training in the oil and gas industry. So it was a, a niche market, and um, it meant I went to places like Dubai, Houston. Um, I went to Norway, France. So it did give me some travel and uh, in with the job as well. Mexico. So I went to some some cool places and, and met some amazing people. And and um, yeah, and and it was a very useful thing for while I was resting. But and this is something that will happen to performers, creatives. That when you do jobs that are your resting job, they will want you to be full time because you'll be good at it. Because you have great communication skills. You have a lot to offer. And more often than not, you'll find that they will go, oh, would you like to be full-time? I know you're on a temporary contact. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know you just come through a temp agency, but we'd like to sign you full-time. Would you like to do it? And it's very tempting. It is very tempting. I'm yeah. not saying that, you know, I, it, the thought didn't, it, it did cross my mind. I think, oh, well, if I were to stay full-time here, I, excellent, I could earn a huge amount of money. But my heart and my drive it's, and my dream is just, just not there. And so the answer was always going to be no. But I do think you have to ask yourself that question as a creative. You know, when you wake up each morning, what is it you want to do? Is it the creative? Do you want to write? Do you want to perform? Do you want to play music? Do you want to be in a band? Whatever. You know, do you want to act? Do you want to, whatever it is, perform stand-up comedy, is that what you want to do? Is that what drives you each morning when you wake up? Because if it is, don't get suckered into signing onto the, the dotted line for full time that reduces your ability to have the freedom to go off and audition or create. So it's fine. Still have time to create. If it's got to be a nine to five job, make sure it's nine to five, not suddenly you've been getting eight and you're leaving at six thirty. Yeah? yeah, you are there for that time, so that then you use the rest of your time to be creative and and do your what your heart is in, because that you only get this one shot. You know, absolutely. And it, and it's about doing it to the best of your ability, giving yourself the best possible opportunities. And London it is a, a great place to be. It's not. Always the be on end or depending on what career you do. But if you are going to be here, obviously you need to pay money. More. More. A lot uh, more, And yeah. therefore you need to earn money and therefore you need to find those jobs that pay you well enough. And that's my other point, I think, with resting jobs is make sure you're not being taken for a ride. Make sure you're not earning really crap money. I've done bar work as well. I did bar work back in um, 88, 
2001, I worked in various bars and a nightclub as well. And there was one bar I worked in, and I realised actually with the money I was getting paid, and they were taxing me at source. And uh, I said, oh, God, I'm hardly getting anything. And they promised there'd be lots of tips, and there weren't a lot of tips in this particular bar. So I kind of quit that quite quickly, and then I found a nightclub that actually paid me ten quid an hour cash. <laughs> Cash. Uh, cash. cash. It was three nights a week, five hours, plus 150 quid, yeah. plus tips on top. And because it was Starsky and Hutch, I don't even remember Starsky and Hutch in London Bridge. They, yes. They, it was a really yeah. popular night. And everyone was, was like really a sort of friendly. 70s night. 70s, 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s. Yeah. Different nights. Retro had different, night. Yeah, total yeah. retro. People come dressed up. The DJs all wore flares. It was really yeah, huge yeah. wigs. And everyone having a great time and great fun. And, and because it was one small bar that we served everyone, and it was really busy, people saw that and would tip quite heavily. They'd go, oh, my God, I see how hard it is. And so whilst we were also getting 10 quid an hour, we were also getting an extra like 20, 30 quid a night, all of us tips. Yeah. So suddenly it made, you know, so it's about working wise, working so that you can still audition, so you can still do your job. You're not trapped. Yeah, you're not trapped, you're flexible. Um, So working wise and choosing the jobs that pay you well enough. So that's another um, tip for why you're resting. Um, uh, Other jobs I've done. Do you want to know more? Yes, we do. That's the whole point. That's what I hear. Another thing I got into through a mate of mine, um, he just asked me to take over from him one night because he couldn't do it, is hosting pub quizzes. And I know you've of done course. that. I know you've done that. And yeah, um, it's good fun. It is good fun. There's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes if you are having to write all the questions. Yes. And if you have to set up the night, so you've got all the kit to lug over there if the if the pub doesn't have a PA system or whatever, or the venue if you're doing private events. So you've got to think about all that, the kit, um, the writing questions, the time it takes to do that. But if you like trivia and you do a bit, you know, mind a bit of stand up and a bit of banter with the crowd yeah. to create a fun night, then running pub quizzes can be hugely fun, huge fun. Um, so I ran them in like three or four different pubs and then got kind of headhunted by this bigger company. Um, and I, then I worked for them for about three years mainly Monday nights at Sir Ian McKellen's pub. I know, I went there. It's great. It's a great uh, little pub, isn't it? It was lovely. And I, Sir Ian. Yeah, I hosted that regularly at his pub for two and a half years, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. Before I went off to the States to chance my arm in 2016. Right. But Ian would come regularly uh, to the yes. quiz. It was amazing. Well, um, the time I came, it he, he was Christmas one. Right. When ah, he hosted it. Co-hosted made, with me. Co-hosted and made with me, you yeah. his elf. Mm, mm. And he, he gave you a little Santa hat. And you were wearing his knighthood, wasn't yeah, you? Yeah, he gave me his OBE to wear. So yeah. he, we met up at his house to write the, write the quiz. Because he has some esoteric questions, which I thought were... No one would get. Kind of. yes. <laughs> in, in what year did I start as Hamlet? Uh, <laughs> the word Christmas um, comes from the ancient Nordic for meaning. You know, all these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan, what do you think? What do you think of that? Um, do you think that's good? Good question. Uh, I think that's a really good question. But I think maybe a couple of clues in there. Yeah. Uh, maybe give them an A, B, C, D. It, or something. Um, so it was a great quiz, but it kind of towards the end just descended into a bit of chaos anyway. Well, it's a very small pub, and, and when you've got a hundred people in there, and everyone, everyone, everyone's just singing Christmas carols yeah, by the end. It, it was. was brilliant. It was a great night. It was a yeah, great yeah. night. So, so Ian was like, oh, "I'll have another vodka." And yeah, <laughs> and by the end, he was like, "Let's all sing a carol instead of this bloody question." <laughs> so he used to. So yeah, he used to come regularly. So when I started, there were only like five or six teams, and he wasn't there. And then it got more momentum, and then there were about sort of a dozen teams coming regularly. And then he came along one week. And loved it. And then he tweeted about it. And the following week, it was just queues out the door. Really? You know, and Pete, and I, because I, I arrived, I didn't know he tweeted about it. I arrived expecting the usual like dozen teams. And I was like, oh my oh, goodness. God, have to get How do I even get to my seat outside, to be able to know? host it? You know, how do I get in? How do I get into the pub? Um, and, uh, yeah, and, it, and he was there. And then I started to do this sort of regular gag. Uh, oh, I remember that. the gag. It's so, a good gag. So I used to do oh. this gag. I said, um, there, are, there are several, I have three rules, three rules in the pub. Um, first of all, no Googling, no using your mobile phones. Otherwise, Very uh, important yeah, in the pub no, quiz. I'll, I'll take it and sell it for 
fueling my drug habit. Um, uh, or I, I normally do it about the bar when I say fueling Ollie's drug habit, you know, something like that. Um, then the second rule was, um, even if you think I'm wrong, I'm right, because my word is law, basically. You've, you've got to set these rules down. As it's the, important. As the, as You're in charge. Of. You're the quiz master. Exactly. And the third rule is um, you have to answer every question, because this is Sir Ian McKellen's pub, and you shall not pass! Yes, uh, you've got to get that. Either. Great, and so, whoosh, whoosh. The following week, um, Ian was there again, I did the gag, whoosh, whoosh. The following week, Ian's there, I did the gag again, whoosh, whoosh. The following week, I did the gag, and then he came over to me, he said, um, Dan, can you, can you not do that joke again? I'm doing it every week, and I'm here every week. And I said, oh, certainly, certainly, certainly. Give me a little twinkle, certainly. So then I went, and the rule number three is, you have to answer every question, because you shall not pass! And he looked at me, and went, ooh, <laughs> like this, right? Yeah, yeah. The following week, He's looking at me. Am I going to do it? It's like sort of a stare at. It's like high noon. Right. And I, go, and I went, you have to answer every question. You show my bus. And he ran down the bar. And behind the bar is Gandalf's staff. Yes. From The Hobbit. Not from Lord of the Rings, but from The Hobbit. Yeah. He grabbed the staff and basically attacked me with it. <laughs> <laughs> the point, he's attacking me with the staff and strangling me. Uh, I think a lot of people took quite a few photos. And he said, don't do that again. And I went, oh, okay. I won't do it again. Next week he's there. And I'm looking at him. It's another high noon moment. Oh, yeah, another yeah. high noon moment. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. And I go, "You have to answer every question because." And then he stood up and he went, "You shall not pass." <laughs> <laughs> Worse. And I went, "Okay, you Great. win. You win." Great. So then the following week, the following week, I'm looking at him again, and I said, "You have to answer every question." And he's looking at me. He's really giving. Me this. And I said, "Because you can't put any crosses in the box. There are no X Men here." Oh. oh, and he went very good, very good, very good. And from then on, I did a different gag each week, normally Shakespeare nice. related. So there we go. So that's uh, running pub, hosting pub quizzes are great fun. They are indeed, and a good little bit of extra money. Yes, I and used to do the one just down the road from Sir Ian's pub, oh. the Prospect of Whitby. Oh, the Prospect Another of Whitby. Another Thameside yeah. pub. Yeah. yeah, is that the guy with long hair who ran it? No, no. I can't. Me- I can't remember who, who ran it. There. I just remember one of the bar staff always used to come up and give me film pitches. Mm. It, it, it was this guy. Um, and he had a funny accent. He said, hey, Jason, I have got a film pitch for you. Oh, all right. And 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 because I get this a lot because I work in films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you sometimes have to listen to people's film pitch. Just in case. And sometimes it, you sort of stand there and listen to them for a long it might time. Be brilliant. It might like be brilliant. I had a mechanic tell me his film pitch. Right, right. But I stood and listened to it for about half an hour thinking, this is terrible. Right. But nodding. Yeah. Saying, no, this is good. Well, okay. Because okay, I thought yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it'd probably hopefully give me a discount on my fixing my car. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea, mate. Can I have uh, some money off uh, the yeah, chassis yeah. repair? <laughs> uh, but um, I always remember this this guy came, came one night and he's got Jess, I've got another film idea. It, it's about um, like mechanical cockroaches. Okay. And I said, oh, you could call it Robocock. And he, and he just looked at me confused. He just didn't get it. Oh, dear. But he, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that good was gag, good. Good gag, though. Good gag. I thought it was a good cuff, gag. Off the but he said, no, 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 no. You're not robots. <laughs> there you go good stuff what are you doing anyway um, we digress we digress we digress I mean how are we doing for time I'm we're gonna... good we're good we've got like 10-15 minutes alright so I've got a couple more jobs yeah a couple more jobs um, another thing I've done over the years is performing comedy sketches for kids oh yeah for educational purposes educational yes, yes. Um, so I have done improv um, I used to do this regular gig at this school in Birmingham where uh, me and a few other improv uh, people like um, Pippa Evans, Carrie Ad Lloyd, uh, a guy called Gareth Kane, um, and we drive up to Birmingham and arrive at the school at like half seven and then do this improv uh, hour from eight till nine for yeah. all these kids. And it would have, <laughs> it was specifically about. Um, uh, a, um, vocations are you going to do after, you know, what, what are you going to do after school yes, yeah. what are you going to do and so all the improv games would have that kind of theme of um, what's, what's, what, you know, what kind of employment you, might you want to do and what might be. Yeah. so that, that was a it was like who's on it anyway mixed with vocational uh, class really but the kids were shouting things out and it was great fun and, yeah but, did uh, any of them have any extreme kind of uh, you know career paths that they'd chosen for themselves uh, no McDonald's working McDonald's would come up quite a lot really uh, uh, but that's them shouting out suggestions for okay. us to, you know, what what work, you know. Um, and then we do an accent roller coaster, and 
you'd always get someone shouting out Chinese, Indian, yeah. Caribbean, which obviously uh, it's quite tricky these days. Um, so <laughs> we try and steer them away from yeah. that. I, I, I can do scouts. I can do scouts. Uh, so yeah, so doing that and um, and other scripted scenes for GCSE and A level students. Okay. For like you know. 800 to 1,000 students. I really? performed in the West End doing this. It wow. grew. One of them was a, a whole day about um, the Nazis' rise to power. Yeah. And so it was less comical. <laughs> Not so many comedy scenes in this, yeah. but there were some comedy scenes. But it was a showing from the 1920s right through to the 1940s. Um, and this whole day, and it was done at the where Michael Jackson's Thriller is on. So they hired that West End stage for, for the day uh, from like 9 till... Four, yeah, and we'd be performing these sketches throughout the day that had a theme. Uh, it was the following one family through from 1918, yeah, arriving back from war in 1918, and then that family All the way through. through to 1945. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah. you know, worthy stuff. Thank you, worthy stuff. Worthy I stuff. I've given back. I've given back educationally. Uh, so that's another job I've done, and then the last thing really, which is something that has helped also fund me over the last ten years. Is doing corporate role play, um, which if you're an actor, it, it's a very useful thing to get into. There are a lot of organisations out there. If you Google corporate role play work, um, there are lots of companies. Um, I know that uh, you're going to speak to Jeremy Todd, aren't you? And he's done yes, a lot of that stuff. Do. Yes. Um, and this is, there's a couple of companies I work for that uh, have scripted work for businesses, often for leadership development. Okay. So there'll be scenes where you're playing a manager of an organisation in a conflict you know, verbal conflict uh, or um, persuading or, you know, various uh, business situations that are difficult and complex, uh, firing somebody or yeah. someone asking for a raise and you can't give them a raise, all these kind of things that are within the business sphere. And these are quite often scripted, but then lead on to improvising and an area called forum theatre. And Forum Theatre is quite a useful training tool for leadership development because the way that works, and I've just been running some um, Forum Theatre workshops, actually, for a business school, uh, one of the top business schools in the world, actually, Chicago Booth Business School. So they flew me out to Chicago. I did that. That was in June. And then I've just been running some workshops in July for them. And Forum Theatre, the way it works is you have a group of actors, and I've performed these scenes as well, but I was actually running it and hosting it and facilitating it. So you've got a group of actors performing a scene that the the business people all watch, and there's a lot of bad behaviours in there. So it's like witnessing those bad behaviours and going, okay, how do you make those bad behaviours good behaviours? And then you rewind the scene, and the actors replay it, but then the audience stop it at various moments and offer suggestions on how to improve it. So as an actor, if you're able to improvise, if you understand a bit of the business world, so as I say, as you know, over my lifetime, I've done quite a lot of sales work, so I understand the way sales work, um, that, that gives me that knowledge of the business world. So if you've got a bit of knowledge of the business world of other jobs you've done, part-time jobs, or help fund you through drama school, or just after university, or while you're deciding what you're doing, that can also help with the corporate world and doing corporate role play. So it can be very well paid, and uh, uh, yeah, and a, and a useful, flexible job to do. So, role play, corporate role play. Yeah, do it, enjoy it. Have because fun. Lo- lots of people use role playing actors. You know, mm, mm. The, the police training. You know, these medical role play. Yeah, yeah. Patients, people who you know, people train to be lawyers. You know, and yeah, they get, yeah. They have people pretending to do court cases. It's all worthwhile. You know, you need to have a trial run, you know. So I did a medical role play. It was one yeah. of the first role plays I did, actually. I've forgotten about this. Were you a patient or a doctor? I or? was a patient. Yeah. I was a patient. Um, and this is going back. This is going back. This is 20 years ago. Oh, actually. really? 20 years ago. and Because it, it wasn't very well paid, which is why I, I didn't do it again. I think it's like King's Hospital or something. But basically, um, <laughs> uh, the... So you sat there and and, and, the, and you see a doctor like every 10 minutes. So you'll see like 15, 20 doctors. Yeah. And, and then you have to make a little couple of notes on sort of a couple of little tick boxes of, did they ask you this? Did they deal with that? Did they discover what it is? And, and what was that? You know, and then they have to give obviously their diagnosis. So m- mine was, um, I, 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 had, I was producing black stools. <laughs> <laughs> You were a carpenter. Yeah. No, not no, no, in the medical yeah, sense. Med- in the medical sense, in the medical stool sense. And I think I was going through a particularly stressful time at work, and therefore the diagnosis is 
Stomach ulcer. Obviously. Obviously, everyone knows that. Obviously. And I don't well, think yeah. all the doctors got it, and I don't oh, think yes. all of them sort of, ne- um, sort of delved into the stress aspect of my life. So they thought it could have been a variety of things, whereas if they'd sort of delved into a few other aspects of my life, they'd have, they'd they'd have narrowed down the out. diagnosis. I yeah. see. It's like a little quiz, really, like a fun role-playing quiz. It is. Uh, so, yeah, so I did that, um, but I haven't done that since. Um, that's the only time I've, I've done uh, medical role-play. But I know a lot of friends who have done it. And uh, yeah, it could be a, again a steady stream of income and quite absolutely. Fun and, um, you yeah. get to learn lots of uh, diseases. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. All right, all right. Be that's what I've got. Yourself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that rash means that. Uh, yeah, yeah you get, got... knock on your. Excuse me, are you that actor that does medical role play? Oh, I've got a bit of a lesion on my arm. Like, oh, oh, that, oh, what are oh. your symptoms? What are your symptoms? Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I've given up by being an actor. I'm now a doctor. Yes. <laughs> After seven years of Once you've acted it enough, you're, you're there. Yeah, I'm in the role. I'm in the yeah. role. There are those method. people. Yeah. What people do, don't they? They, they pretend to oh, be yeah, doctors. Yeah, yeah. They turn up in hospitals. And there was that whole movie about that, wasn't it? Was it Paper Mask or something? Or yes. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Was it? Paul McGann? I think it was Paul McGann. It was, yeah. yeah. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. memory vaults there. Amanda Donahoe? Yes. Amanda Donahoe? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Whoa, Whoa. We're, good. Whoa. we're good. We're good. Look at that. Look, look at that. that. Look at that. Wow. Wow. Who knew, who knew we'd segue into that? Um, I'm just... I think that's... I've covered most of the, the jobs I've done to just keep the wool from the door while I've yeah. been resting. And, and, the, and the key point, I think, is that when you are in the creative professions, and, and speaking from a personal point of view, when you're an actor, the easy part is when you're working. The easy part is when you've got the job and you're doing a play or filming. That's the easy part. The difficult part is the bits in between when you are resting. So if you can find jobs that at least keep you happy and keep you sane or pay you enough to give you self-respect and also give you the flexibility so you can go off and audition. Those are the sort of the prerequisites, I think. Um, if you feel you're trapped in a job, it's depressing you, then you don't, you don't want to be in that job because this is the hardest point. You're in between work. It's that most difficult, most stressful, most agonizing time. So you don't want to be in a job that gives you extra stress. So find something that really values you, that pays you well enough, that keeps you happy and keeps you sane. And there are plenty of jobs out there. I've covered about a, a dozen different types of ways that I've money to keep me going yes. keep me alive and there's keep... uh, so many more there's so many more we've, I mean it's, I, it's a list of stuff that we've done together oh, you know, oh countless I countless. remember I remember us two you phoned me up one day and said Chase can you you're free today um, or tomorrow or something like that. you say yeah so the, the Smirnoff need two Russian bouncers oh yeah <laughs> And me, he was tiny, he was big. Obviously, yeah. a good comedy pairing. Yeah, yeah, But we yeah. were suddenly stuck in these dinner suits and we were sort of stood by the door with these fake, with these fake Russian accents. That's right, yeah. Oh, so gay. <laughs> you know, yeah. We were just... It was amazing. And was, yeah. did, um, was Emily Sanday singing there as well? Yeah. It was in that yeah. giant crate, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a big, big event. Yeah, yeah, big event. But all secret, wasn't it? It was like it was done as a secret, secret speakeasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we were too bushing. How the hell did that happen? Yeah, well, that, and that's reminded me of another job I've done for a different company. I can't remember the name of the company now, but I had to audition to be a Russian. And I basically played a Russian billionaire who was um, would arrive in bars with these two stunning Eastern European girls. Um, as uh, And there'd be a VIP area roped off for me. And I'd just basically click my fingers and the girls would then give free drinks to everyone in the bar. <laughs> and it was a free vodka Russian. Um, Russian was a mixer, okay. uh, a new Schweppes mixer. So basically, that was it. It was just going to bars, giving out these, and then being this Russian billionaire. And people would believe I was Russian. Or those who doubted would come over and go, oh, I don't believe you're Russian. And then I could speak a smattering of Russian. And so I'd just go, oh, Privyet, Minya Zavud, Ruskie. And they go, uh, oh, he, probably, he is, he is, he is. He is. <laughs> and people will believe it. Everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember this guy came out to me and said, "Oh, mate, uh, mate, of mine runs a, a couple of nightclubs around here. I can get you in tonight. I can, re- I can sort you out. Don't worry, mate. Anything, uh, drinks from me. I'll yeah, sort you yeah. out tonight." And I, I was going, "Sorry, I have a helicopter waiting. I have to fly." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, finding jobs you enjoy, yeah. oh, like, right. and, and and finding friends, you will find friends from those enjoyable Indeed. jobs. Indeed, well. but so yeah, so many people I've been good friends with over the years. Yeah, I've been 
people you've met through the weirdest, strangest situations yeah. and jobs. There's a certain camaraderie there, isn't there? Is. But good luck. Anyone listening, really good luck. Good luck with your careers. Keep working at it. Absolutely. You know, work as hard as you can. Be as flexible with your time as possible. Um, and don't get into debt like I did. Uh, good advice. Get, yes, I've, I've got rid of that mindset now. I've not been in debt since. So, yeah, that mindset of whatever money you've got, you can then spend to a certain degree. Um, if you haven't got money coming in, then really tighten the purse strings. If you've got money coming in, great. Enjoy. But, you know, work wisely, good luck with your careers, and be as be creative. Go make stuff. Go make stuff, yes, indeed. Well, thank you, Dan March, uh, for joining us My on pleasure. the first, the inaugural, okay, mm. the, the, the maiden voyage. I feel privileged. Of, I feel privileged. Um, while I was resting. <laughs> you, you are paying me for this, aren't you? This is, uh, uh, this yeah, is paid. If you send me an invoice. Right, okay. Well, send it to my people. Okay, send it to people. Because, um, I mean, uh, podcasts can be a good, um, good pay, well-paid job, can't they? Podcasts? I don't think I, I, no? I don't think there's any money in it. To be I, honest, I thought, I thought that. I, thought, I think it's all no? a myth. Oh, is that a myth? Fake is it? news. Oh, it's fake news. All oh, right. So yeah. I because oh, I turned down a, a, a job to. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, we get oh. you'll get good exposure. Oh, exposure, exposure. Uh, I'm going to pay you an exposure. Oh, thank you for paying me an exposure. That's oh, great. All right, I'm, I'm writing an exposure check right now. Oh, thank you for exposure. Okay, so while I write the check, we'll oh, wow, that's, that's worth it. Bye bye to our listeners. Thank you for joining us. Danmarch.com. Danmarch.com. you have got to get that one in. All right. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. While I was resting. <laughs>